Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today we are fighting the heat with some summer horror reads, and I am joined once again by my pal, my partner in crime when talking about seasonal horror, Quincy. Hi, Stephanie. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Yeah, yes, it of is course. extremely hot over here. <laughs> so. Well... As listeners might not know, over here, I have a bit of a summer storm going on. So this is actually our third time starting this episode over because it my computer shut down and I lost everything. Luckily, we weren't super far into the episode. <laughs> but yeah, that just goes to show um, what we're about to talk about is very terrifying because <laughs> we're living it. <laughs> summer, I think, has it out for us specifically. It really does because you go outside and the mace step outside, you're either drenched in sweat or it's extremely dry or, <clears throat> dare I say it, mosquitoes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mosquitoes find me no matter where I'm at. And I think because growing up in um, California with the dry heat, there wasn't a ton of mosquitoes, but it's like anytime we ever went anywhere that was like near water, like camping. And when I went to school in Indiana, and like visiting my in-laws in northern Michigan like they find me like every time I go anywhere like that I am covered head to toe in bug bites yes I completely relate to you because since I was a kid they've always just were drawn to me you know Mm -hmm. and they're very um brutal like they have no mercy (laughs) you know yeah and I feel like at this point bug spray doesn't even do anything for me no, one, I hate it. And two, it just... It smells bad. It smells bad. It's sticky. It doesn't yeah. help with the heat by any means, you know? No. So I, so I, I understand the pain. <laughs> yeah. I know I've said a lot. I'm not big on camping and hiking. And that is my biggest reason why is the bugs. Like, no matter where I go, it's like, even if it's not... If I'm not miserable while i'm there i will be miserable immediately after because i'm going to be scratching at all my bug bites yes and you know what there's nothing more annoying than peacefully trying to go to sleep and then you just hear that one mosquito by your ear (sighs) and you're like my night's ruined let's go home i'm done (laughs) no yeah i don't yeah i don't not a fan of it and it sucks because my family growing up was really into camping um, I think as I got older, they gave into my side a bit more. And like, if we went to national parks, they would try to like reserve like a cabin or like get a hotel near there for my sake, <laughs> because I'm like, it's not just that I'm whiny and prissy. Like I am covered in bug bites. <laughs> you're you're clearly suffering. Yeah. You know, and it's not cool. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't not understand at all. why people. Um, I don't. I don't know why people like. I don't know, choose to go camping. Like, I, I get it, you're one with wilderness, but like, I don't believe in um, roughing it if I don't have to. Mm-hmm. So I need a hotel or at least a cabin with a window unit at least and a modern day plumbing. <laughs> yeah. 
It was funny when, well, my family, like I said, was really big on camping and that was their thing. So I really feel like I've put in my time. Like I've paid my dues. I've roughed it before. I just will not, as an adult, do it again. Um, And when I was dating my husband, I was very clear about that because he's from like northern Michigan and they're very outdoorsy up there. And I'm like, if this is a deal breaker, like we can't do this. Like I do not like camping. I do not like hiking. I do not like... It is not fun for me, and I will make it not fun for you. you like, mark my words, you know. And has he kept his promise? Has he made sure not to go camping? Yeah, no, not at all. And the few times he has, like, gone on a hike, he'll take, like, my son or go do something else, you know. So it's been fine. That's not been a, a deal breaker <laughs> for us. Yeah, take the kids. No. Um, and I'm wondering though, cause I feel like I was a really big summer person as a kid. And I'm wondering if that was just because there was no school. Like it was our only time to have the time for us. You know, maybe because as, as a kid, you know, you're way more free spirited. So all you care about is like hanging out with your friends during summer break and going to the pool and just extinguishing mm-hmm. all this energy you have. And now as an adult, you're like, no, <laughs> like I'm too old for that. I sweat well, way more yeah. easily. I get way more irritated easily. Yeah. Well, and I don't have a job that gives me like a summer break. So there's nothing special about summer. Yeah. I mean, for my kids, it is. So I, I deal with it on that end. But yeah, it is. It is interesting. And I was like, am I am I more have I gone soft? Because I grew up in Southern California in like the valley, like the desert. It got into the hundreds like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And Same. I feel I'm like I could. Yeah. And we could handle it fine. And now we're like 88. Mm. Yeah. I don't think it got soft. I think we've just grown to have standards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with, you know, that's how I want to see it. Maybe as a kid, you don't have a say in anything, though. So it's like we're going here and you're going to enjoy it. And now we get to be like, I'm not going there, actually. Exactly. Also, it's interesting because as a kid, I always took for granted the luxuries that we had, you know? So, like, AC was a big thing, of course. And um, growing up, my aunts and my mom would always take the kids to, like, the mall or the movie Mm -hmm. theater, like, something relatively inexpensive that the whole family can do that has AC, and then um, now that I'm an adult paying for my own crap, I'm like, wow, I can really go to the mall right now and not pay <laughs> for this, you know? So it's just a different outlook on life now that oh, yeah. we have to suffer differently. So. Yeah. Well, my mom was the same because my dad did not want to pay for air conditioning. His thing was like, just close all the windows and hydrate like deal with it. So yeah, now I'm looking back, I'm like, we did spend a lot of time in the library. <laughs> I wonder why. Because my mom's like, I can't deal with this. We are sitting in the library for a few hours until the sun goes down and we can be outside without crisping up like a strip of bacon. Thank you. Exactly. And then maybe that's what kind of helped you get into reading. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's what my mom would do. We would go to the library or we would go to Barnes and Nobles and just hang out for a few hours. Books were literally your salvation. That's true. His poetic. Look at that. Look at that. Full circle moment. We love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but summer is a huge genre in horror. It really is. Yeah, there's a lot of tropes, like 
you know, slashers and, you know, kids on bikes and coming of age, you know, all those things that come into play. So I totally agree with you. Yeah. What kind of stories do you gravitate toward in the summer? Um, so typically in summer, like I'll read anything at any time of year, but during the summertime, if I'm forced to go camping or if I have the opportunity to go on vacation, I'll typically bring a book that will um, cater to the environment. So I think whenever Mallory by Josh Mallerman came out, I brought it with me camping. Mm -hmm. And even though the camping part really sucked, um, the fact that that book very much takes place in the wilderness that kind of heightened the reading experience. Um, Or if I go on vacation, I'll bring something that revolves around being by the ocean or by the beach once in a great while if i end up at a cabin i'll try to bring like a slasher that takes place at a cabin you know anything that'll really um enhance that reading experience so those are kind of the things i'm drawn to in the summertime i love those yeah um there's the big like coming of age subgenre, like the kids on bikes the like it and stand by me types of stories um and then yeah like you were saying beach also you know what I do love a beach. I'll say not a big hiker, not a big mountain person. Take me to a beach any day. And I won't just sit there like on the sand. Like I will go into the ocean. Like I like swimming. I like. <laughs> yeah, same. Like I think two years ago I went to Florida and um, we ended up at a beach and it was fantastic. I mean, I'll go in the water and mm-hmm. then back on the beach. But that's essentially it, <laughs> you know, with a drink in my hand. Yeah. I had a friend try to teach me to surf once and I just do not have the balance to even attempt it. Like we couldn't get past the first step. He's like, okay, now we're going to try to stand up on the board. And it's like, you know what? We're just going to body surf. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to lay on the board. <laughs> yep, just that? lay on the board and ride the wave in. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> we're essentially fun. the same thing. Still fun. Still very fun. Yeah. You're on the surfboard. So it's surfing. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I love a good water-centric story or anything that is about vacation and that is kind of where the hiking, camping stories come in, but also like staying at a resort, staying at a hotel, um, as came out on the previous episode. And then I think kind of slashers in general, like, yeah, there is the odd, like, you know, spooky October slasher or like, you know, winter slasher. But I would say when people think of slasher, they usually associate it with summer. Yeah, summer camping heat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, typically a lot of youth is involved, you know, teenagers mm-hmm. and stuff. Which summer jobs? Summer jobs, yes, very much so. So, so do you know that serial killers are more active in the summer and like there's more break-ins in the summer? You know, I don't blame them because on top of the heat that's so cruel to us, why not add some violence <laughs> into the mix? You know, you know, tis the season, I guess. (laughs) I mean, who wants to kill a bunch of people in the winter? And for this episode, I asked on Instagram, what are some quintessential summer horror novels? And I got a ton of answers, as I usually do uh, when we do these episodes. Listeners really come out. You really have like a stockpile list here. So we appreciate that. Yeah, I kind of just picked the ones that were mentioned the most. Um, So, of course, we have things like It by Stephen King that we were talking about earlier. I think that's probably the top one that people think about when you say, what is a summer horror novel? 
Yes. Yes. I agree. Um, and then similar to that, I got a lot of Summer of Night by Dan Simmons, which is like a very similar kids on bikes type of story. Um, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. I love that one. Me too, which I mentioned in the last episode. And you really can't go wrong with that book, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's good a good time. time. Yeah, um, the Elementals by Michael McDowell, and also Cold Moon Over Babylon by Michael McDowell, and those books are two if you want to read about people in the heat, <laughs> in the like southern humidity. He writes it very well. Yes, um, they can't go wrong. Also, the new one Hide by Kirsten White came up a few times um, about the people playing hide and seek in the abandoned amusement park and my heart is a chainsaw by stephen graham jones of course like starts right at the end of the school year and is about a slasher so perfect and i love that there is a scene where they're all like on the lake watching jaws (laughs) and uh the ghost tree by christina henry i saw came up a few times which is a good like summer coming of age story Yes, which I love that book. You can't, you can't go wrong with that one. Yeah, I really liked it. And I remember being really intimidated by how long it was. And it flew by. It really did. Yes, yes. Um, and as always, we talk about what are some movies you can watch if you really want to dig into this summer horror feel vibe. Yeah, I think um, Midsummer is my top just because obviously <laughs> where it takes place, you know. Um, really can't go wrong and honestly anything with cults <laughs> or cults especially summary um for me they are because it's you know of course cults are just like a gathering of people mm-hmm. and typically summer is the time of year i mean of course holidays but like summer is the time of year where people are more motivated to like gather around and you know do their thing i feel you i mean i talk about it all the time but the ruins good like vacation horror hot sweaty vacation horror everything going wrong people turning on each other like goodness <laughs> can't go wrong yeah i actually just saw that movie for the first time like three years ago i don't mm. shame on me um i agree with you it's like the perfect cocktail of like summer chaos you know so i agree i love that i think i only saw it fairly recently too and just i don't know such good body horror just i really enjoy that one classics like sleepaway camp uh friday the 13th i know what you did last summer and we were talking about jaws stuff like that so honestly anything like that to get your summer going um one movie i do like or two really that i really enjoy for summer is um a quiet place one and two Mm -hmm. um just because of the setting and like what they have to deal with you know um and also since they have to walk barefoot that like that scream summer (laughs) (laughs) you know and then um i know this isn't necessarily like summer-esque but i feel like the purge movies are fun during the summer just because a lot of it's at night yeah summer nights kind of just go hand in hand you know when is the purge canonically oh my god oh my god this makes me a bad fan because i don't know (laughs) googling it right now do it um i want to say like september november but i could be completely wrong 
But just something about March 21st. Oh, March 21st. Oh, my birthday. Holy crap. <gasps> You're born on purge day. Holy crap. I'm a purge baby. <laughs> <laughs> Forget astrology, baby. It, you are a purge baby. What does that say? Purge sun, quiet place rising. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> um, one movie I recently watched, and it's not a summer movie by any means, but I just want to gush about it. And we recently talked about it. Um, was the new Candyman movie. Oh my gosh, yes. yes. I was pleasantly surprised. It did not look like something I was like gonna like. And then I had a couple friends over and they're like, oh, let's watch it. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Girl, I fell in love. That thing is so good. So I, yeah. Say again. <laughs> I rewatched it too. I'm not a big movie rewatcher. I think especially in such close succession, like if I've watched it recently, I've watched it three times like this year. Mm-hmm. It is so good. It holds up so well. It's such a good sequel. I don't know. I loved it. Great. So I'm glad you liked it too. Yeah. And I was actually, I think I took your recommendation for it. That's why I watched, I was like, well, Stephanie likes it and I'll watch it. And I... Glad to know you didn't hate it. <laughs> Well, most of the things that I get recommended by you and I indulge in, I, like, like, so, you know. Well, like, one of the books I'm going to talk about today was actually book wrecked from you, so therefore, I liked it because I'm talking about it, so okay. but we'll get to that. Good to know. It overrides all that fun. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, should we talk about some books before my power cuts out again and Summer decides to curse me? Oh, damn. Sure. Yes, let's talk about it. <laughs> all right. So the first book I'm talking about is a short story collection, Dark Water by Koji Suzuki. And this was translated from the Japanese by Glenn Wally. And this is a short story collection where all the stories are about water. Um, There's like a framing narrative at the beginning and end about a child walking on the beach with her grandmother. Um, I think the most famous story in this collection is Floating Water, um, which was adapted into that I think it's 2007 horror movie Dark Water with Jennifer Connelly, which is about this like mother and daughter that uh, move into this like broke down apartment. And there's like weird stuff about the family that lived, I think, in like the apartment above them. And they start hearing voices and like they might be coming from the faucet, like the water. Um so that was good. I think my favorite story in the collection was called Adrift, and it was about these fishermen who come upon this like abandoned boat, kind of like a yacht, and they decide to haul it, and they're planning on meeting a rescue ship halfway. And then one guy volunteers to be on the abandoned ship and kind of like make sure everything's going well on that end. And Oh, it was so creepy, like, when he got onto the abandoned ship, because it was, like, a family's yacht, and just seeing, like, all their stuff laying about, and kind of trying to figure out what happened, and where they went. Ugh, like, it it gave me the creeps. I think that that ended up being my favorite story. Um, There's also a story about a man that's trapped on a yacht with a couple who's trying to, like, recruit him to an MLM, which, on itself is a horror story like you can't go anywhere and you're just stuck on these people who want (laughs) to get you in their downline but then it goes further and there's like a supernatural like spooky thing on top of that uh so that was fun i would say it's a mixed bag as most short story collections are like some work better than others but i think consistently uh it delivered the the horror in this is a little more on the quiet side and so i would say it's a bit more room temperature 
Um, oh, I posted about this. I don't know if people remember, but I picked this up at Barnes and Noble and the um, one of the blurbs on the back was really mean and sassy towards Stephen King for like no reason at all. Please remember this day very clearly because I saw that and I kind of giggled. <laughs> it. it is it's so sassy so it's suzuki is called the stephen king of his country but that's not really accurate stephen king isn't nearly as adept at creating complex characters explaining scientific principles or writing the kind of dialogue that might actually be spoken by humans oh my god that's like that's almost equivalent to like a backhanded apology <laughs> but like in a like in like a diss way you know <laughs> I'm just like, who picked that? That's obviously cherry picked from like, you know, a larger review. Who picked that sentence and was like, this is the sentence that needs to go on the back of this book. Just throwing all the shade. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I'll say it was like something I didn't notice, obviously, until I brought it home and was looking at it. But um, yeah, I enjoyed it. That is Dark Water by Koji Suzuki. Sweet. So, like, this book can be very much enjoyed, like, on a cruise if you're out there. And oh, yeah. Yeah. So, my Sorry. first pick is um, Alice by Christina Henry. This is actually the book that um, I believe you recommended it on an episode a long time ago, I think. Um, but, yeah, I picked this up recently. And this is definitely a darker take on, of course, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, we follow our main protagonist, of course, who is Alice. Um, she wakes up in essentially what is an asylum. And it turns out that she's been there for 10 years. And she's not entirely sure why she's there. Um, but one evening, a fire erupts. And she takes that opportunity to escape. Uh, but something escapes with her. Um, Alice embarks on an adventure trying to figure out what has happened to her and why. Meanwhile, trying to figure out and find this thing that has escaped with her. But along the way, she meets some of our favorite Alice in Wonderland characters. But pretty soon you find out that these aren't the happy, eccentric characters that we love. They're a lot more sinister. Um, this book, well, I'm just gonna say it, trigger warnings for rape, <laughs> gore, substance abuse, etc. What I liked about this book is that it still kept a lot of that like whimsically element that we are used to with Alice in Wonderland. But then of course you have a lot of like the darker elements that she has to face. Um, so I highly recommend just looking up those trigger warnings before you read it. But I really enjoyed this book. The reason why I picked it for a summer read is because a lot of stories when it comes to summer reading is like the character embarking on like almost on an adventure or like a quest, if you will. And that this is something that she definitely does in the book. Uh, but it's also very fast paced. It's very easy to get into. Um, so I think another thing that makes a summer book good is the fact that you could get into it very easily and relatively fast paced. So yeah, I really liked it. Um, I don't consider it freezer worthy by any means definitely on the rupee temp side um depending on who you are of course but yeah so that is alice by christina henry yeah it's been a while since i read that one but i remember i really enjoyed it and i didn't think i would because i don't love like fairy tale retellings or like yeah stuff, anything but... retelling i don't do either so i agree with you but yeah it was very good and i was like okay 
This is dark. Yes. And then there is a second book to this, uh, The mm -hmm. Red Queen. And then there's the collection of short stories that follows after that called Through the Looking Glass. Oh. I have not picked those up yet. Uh, but maybe the next episode I'm on, I'll talk about it. Who knows? Yeah. I'd love to hear about it because I also have not read them. <laughs> All right. Well, my next pick is Sundial by Catriona Ward. This came out last year. It will say content warnings for domestic abuse, emotional, physical abuse, animal cruelty. And this is about a woman named Rob who wanted a normal life, you know, married kids, suburbs. And for the most part, she got it. Um, she starts to worry about her eldest daughter, Callie, who is collecting animal bones and talks to imaginary friends. Uh, so she decides that the best thing for them, the answer to this problem, is to go back to her childhood home, Sundial, in the Mojave Desert, where she is going to have to make a terrible choice. Callie uh, is worried because her mom is acting pretty strangely, and she suspects that only one of them will leave Sundial alive. Did you read this one? Um, I didn't. It's on my bookshelf right now, though, but um, no, I have not. I've yet to read this. I liked this one. I will say I connected to this one a bit more than her last book, The Last House on Needless Street. But I think she's a great author if you like psychological horror and you like twisty things and you like not knowing what to believe. Like if you really like an unreliable narrator and like, what does it really mean? Um, so I will say for that, it's a great for fans of thrillers. It's very fast paced. And I think I connected to this one a bit more because it was just about this family and there is some domestic and verbal physical abuse from the husband and like their relationship. So it's just kind of tense on all sides. And the desert setting is a huge part of the story and it really permeates everything. Um, and yeah, I was I did not see where this was going in any way. <laughs> and it was a it was a very fun reading experience. But yeah, the if you're looking for something, then you want that kind of like Southwest desert feel and setting. This is perfect for that. Um, I will say between room temperature and fridge, it's twisty. It's psychological thriller, um, but it's not going to haunt you. You're not going to be, I don't know, looking over your shoulder after reading it. So that is Sundial by Catriona Ward. Sweet. Um, my second pick. So before I start, I just want to say for my second pick, this is a book I'm sure everyone is aware of, but I don't think it gets the hype that it really deserves. Um, and that is Brother by Anya Alborn. I actually read this, um, reread this for this episode in preparation. And I love this book so much. Um, so essentially this story, we follow the Morrow family who are cannibalistic hillbillies. It's said it right on the back of the book, so it's not a spoiler, but um, our main character is um, Michael Morrow, who isn't like the rest of his family. Um, he doesn't take pleasure in what his family does. Um, and one day Michael meets a really nice girl at a record shop. He becomes quite smitten with her very quickly. And um, Michael yearns for a normal life, but his brother Rebel um, is all too eager to remind him of his family obligations. Um, this book is very fast paced, but I very much consider this a character study just because each character you do find out why they are the way they are. Okay. And not that you necessarily sympathize with them because a lot of them really do unspeakable acts. Um, but you can't help but almost just understand them a little bit better. 
um, especially Michael, because um, he's very sweet, down to earth, and you could tell he really doesn't like what he does. Um, he's just really fighting with that. Um, and there are quite a few twists in this book that I was really like gasping for air when I read it the first time. And um, of course, as tradition, I'm going to recommend, or I'm going to mention that my mom read this with me. <laughs> we always it. buddy read everything. Um, and she very much felt the same way. We love morally gray characters, but we love the depths that Anya really goes with everyone in this book. Um, the reason why I'm going to pick this for a summer read is because there are plenty of times where she mentions how hot it is, how the sweat just descends on someone's face, you know, or even like the first sentence of the book that I can quickly read really sets the tone. Michael twisted in his bed, the threadbare blankets he used all his life tangled around his legs. A girl was screaming bloody murder outside. Oh my God. Like that just set the tone and it's extremely dark. Um, I am going to say trigger warnings, um, for some body horror, horror, uh, bullying, abuse, and of course, death. Um, I am going to say my first read of this, I put it in the fridge. Second read, definitely um, room temp just because I knew everything that was happening. But you can't help but love these characters and their backstories. So yeah, that is Brother by Anya Alborn. Ooh. Believe it or not, I still haven't read that one, even though everyone has been raving about it for years. It is like one of those books that it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. Trust, I think to really fall in love with a book, sometimes you just have to pick it up when you're meant to pick it up, even if yeah. it's been released for years and years after the fact. So um, you won't like be disappointed. Good to know. Um, speaking of cannibalism, that might segue into my final pick, which is Eat the Rich by Sarah Gailey. And this is a comic series, graphic novel, um, and it was illustrated by Pius Bach, Roman Titov, and Cardinal Ray. When the rich and powerful are literal cannibals, how can regular people avoid being on the menu? I'm going to read the synopsis. So, welcome to Crestfall Bluffs. With law school and her whole life ahead of her, Joey plans to spend the summer with her boyfriend, Aster, at his seemingly perfect family home. But beneath all the affluent perfection lies a dark, deadly rot, something all the locals live in quiet fear of. As summer lingers, Joey uncovers the macabre history of Crestfall Bluffs and the ruthlessness and secrecy lying in wait behind the idyllic lives of the 1%. Who can Joey save? Who wants to be saved? And can she even survive to tell the tale? So yes, this is about a woman who is spending the summer with her boyfriend's rich family in the small town where he grew up, where they are like insanely wealthy. As has kind of been mentioned, there is a cannibalism angle to this. And that is that uh, the rich in this world, like all the 1% essentially feed off the working class. I don't know if you got that this was a metaphor for capitalism. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> also, that uh, synopsis is really showing it to me. Like the choice of wording in that is yeah, just it's, it's very well written. And I think it's interesting to think about as it gets through and you're reading the story and it's kind of explaining like the deal and the trade-offs that 
people make because I think a lot of this is people choosing this kind of knowing that that's how they're gonna end up and the circumstances that push them to basically sacrifice themselves at the altar of like keeping rich people comfortable but it is it was just like such an interesting story and one that I picked up really randomly like while I was going through Hoopla so yeah if you have Hoopla this is available all five um not editions all five installments of it are available for free on Hoopla if your library has that digitally this came out this year and I don't know I really liked it I really connected to it I liked the art I liked there's obvious gore I mean as you can tell from the synopsis and the type of story that we are dealing with but um I thought it was an interesting an interesting way to go about this so and it's a, a fun perfect summer read so that is eat the rich by sarah gailey sweet um <clears throat> so my final pick is black tide by casey jones um i'm just gonna read the synopsis it was just another day at the beach when the world ended mike and beth were strangers before the night of the meteor shower. Chance made them neighbors, a bottle of champagne brought them together. And the shared need for human connection sparked something more. Following their drunken and desperate one night stand, the two discover a astronomical event has left widespread destruction in its wake. But the cosmic light show was only part of something much bigger and far more terrifying. When a lost car key leaves them stranded on an empty stretch of Oregon coast, an inhuman scream echo from the dunes when the rising tide reaches their car and unspeakable horrors close in around them. These two self-destructive souls must fight to survive a nightmare of apocalyptic scale. So this just came out this year maybe a week or two ago before, mm -hmm. while we're recording this. Um, this was a very fun read, um, very fast paced. So essentially you follow Beth and Mike. They both have their uh, baggage that they're dealing with. Um, so it makes you really fall in love with them, but also something's going on outside. I can't say, but this very much crosses over into like cosmic horror. So if you're okay. into cosmic horror, this is, fantastic i've actually never read any cosmic horror type literature so this was like a really good thing to kind of get your feet wet you know no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> um but no this was very fast paced um this is a dual narrative so you get both of their sides of the story and perspectives and the things that are outside are very scary um, I would probably put this close to the fridge with the door open, not entirely in the fridge. Um, but what really sold this to me was that dual narrative. And I also listened to this on audiobook. So you have, you know, two people doing the narration and they really sold it for me. So, um, but yeah, that is Black Tide by Casey Jones. Ooh, I've been seeing this around and you're holding it up and it's smaller than I thought it was, which is a plus because I feel like usually when a book is like pitched to me as kind of apocalyptic, I am already in my head imagining like a 600 page tome and I'm like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, no, that is that is pretty manageable. 
This is approximately 242 pages. Ooh, more manageable than I thought. Yeah, I read it in like two days because I was trying to speed read it. And the narrative just really helped me get fly by it. So. Oh, nice. Scribd just got a bunch of the new um, Tor Nightfire audiobooks. So I might check it out on there. All right. Well, some good some good picks for the summer. Got a good mix of like new releases, backlist stuff, uh, a lot of different subgenres here. So a lot to choose from. Yes. yes All, right. I agree. All right. Well, you know the drill. Quincy, what have you been enjoying in horror? What is your chilling obsession? Um, I'm going to cheat because I have two. Go for it. I'm going to talk about, I don't know if it's obvious, it's obvious to me, but the new season of, of Stranger Things. I'm not going to spoil anything, so have no fear, but that show can never let me down. Like, I authentically enjoyed it. After I watched volume one of the new season, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of left heartbroken. So I'm like, well, I don't want to, like, leave these people. Like, what now? So I went back and started from episode one, season one, and rewatched up until the fourth season. So um, so I've been really obsessed with that. But um, there's a movie I want to talk about. Question for you. Do you ever read the acknowledgements on the back of the books? So sometimes, uh, I will say when I get an arc, they're usually not filled in yet. It says like, to come so if I read like a finished book I will glance through it especially if it was a book I really enjoyed and I'm like oh I wonder if they're gonna say like what inspired them or like give a little more info but why so I've never ever ever have read the acknowledgments it's just <laughs> it's just like I'm like okay I'm done I want to go to the next thing but while reading brother for the second time I thought oh I should read the acknowledgments Mm-hmm. And in the back, Anya Allborn does talk about the book that kind of, or sorry, the movie that kind of helped inspire Brother. Um, and that is Chained, which was a movie released in 2012. And it was directed mm-hmm. by Jennifer Lynch, if I can remember correctly. This book is it's about this kid. He goes to the movies with his mom and him and his mom get abducted. And the person that abducts him or them um, kills his mom and keeps him hostage for many years. And then he, the, the kid is left essentially the slave. You know, he has to clean up after this guy. He has to cook. He has to clean. He has to um, maintain a lot of his lifestyle. I'll just leave it at that. Yes. It is very dark and very brutal and very bloody. Um, it's only like an hour and a half movie, very short, but it's very much kind of like brother, a character study, because you're left essentially with just two characters and how they interact with each other and what's the relationship with each other given the circumstances. And yeah, so I thought, well, let me like watch this movie. So I found it on Amazon and I watched it and I loved it. Five out of five stars. I really recommend people, like if you're going to read brother, I recommend watching this movie just to understand the source material or inspiration a little bit better but yeah that's chained released in 2012 i've never even heard of that i thought you were gonna say deliverance like i'm like oh that's the obvious inspiration for like (laughs) (laughs) this um okay yeah i will keep that in mind that when i read brother i will have to pair that up with chained i will say on my end with like the recent move this is the first time i'm recording uh in my new house 
um i've been kind of just doing a lot of like rewatches of old like comfort movies um so i haven't really delved into too much new stuff and i don't know if i've talked about evil on paramount plus um but it was a very interesting show i will say season two i think much better than season one i really feel like they kind of figured out the tone that they were going for and like kind of got their thing more put together but essentially it's this um psychologist who gets recruited to work with this paranormal type group that works for the catholic church to investigate like um kind of like x-files like weird weird things um and they kind of see like if people need an exorcism like one of the people is studying to be a priest and one of them is a skeptic kind of he says he's like a handyman, but essentially, you know, he goes around and kind of tries to find like the tangible, rational explanation for what is going on. Like he's very techie. So like if there's a weird things going on, like he does that or like, you know, if people are like, oh, I don't know, like it always gets cold in this room. You know, he's pretty handy at like <laughs> looking through and seeing like, all right, well, you have like an HVAC issue. Um, and so it's, it's very interesting because like each episode is kind of like these little, um, vignettes, like little cases that they do. They have like evil children and zombies and like crazy stuff. Um, and as it goes on, it kind of does become this like satanic conspiracy that they're all in the middle of. So this is good if you like X-Files and you like kind of people investigating these kind of seemingly like one-off cases, but there's also kind of like a more sinister, larger conspiracy going on in the background and you kind of like the back and forth with like the skeptic versus the believer um type of thing so that's been really fun I think season three is coming out end of this month early next month uh on Paramount Plus so that is evil on Paramount Plus actually I think it's like CBS or something but that's how I watched it yeah that sounds right up my alley so I'm gonna check that out (laughs) Love that. And then our final tradition, Quincy, what is your final girl song? Yes. So I was really thinking about this one and I feel like a final girl song can be like really anything, but I feel mm-hmm. from my personal taste, a final girl song is with a strong female vocalist behind it. Oh, yeah. And my pick is Haunted by Evanescence. We love Amy Lee and her vocals, and I feel she just pairs with that vibe very well. And this song specifically just very much caters to the horror aesthetic um, from a, you know, female's point of view, I feel. So I really love that song, and I think that will be a really good choice for, you know, Final Girls song. So, yeah, Haunted by Evanescence. Ooh, I don't know that I know this one. Mm-hmm. It's oh, okay. It's, to... If you know who Evanescence is, that's all yeah. you need to know. And of course, like, I, I had to take it back to, like, my emo days. I always go back to that. Yeah. Make, like, a we channel day. that here. <laughs> we really do. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is going to be my pick for this episode. So, yeah. Nice. I was going more for, like, the summer thing. And I'm like, what is a good summer album? You know what? It's the Olivia Rodrigo album. And originally, I thought, you know, Good For You is like a good kind of angry final girl song. But after listening to the album a few times, I think I've settled that brutal. I think it has a little bit more of a like aggressive buildup 
that I like where she's like, I think I want it messy. <laughs> yes, which is like, that's the perfect vibe. Yes. So I was like, this is the final girl song from this album. So that is my pick. It is Brutal by Olivia Rodrigo. Love that. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Quincy, for joining me again on uh, this episode. We persevered despite summer gods themselves not wanting us to finish this episode. Showed yeah, that. after all, <laughs> yeah, after all the power outages and like my sides are sweating, like we we persevered. I'm very proud of us, but I am proud um, of us too. <laughs> yes, yes, but thank you so much for having me. It's always a good time and. You know, I also read other things other than horror. So this gives me the perfect opportunity to just dive back into like spooky books. So I appreciate it. Where can people find you online? Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram, which is Quincy Cuber 69. That's just where I post a lot of like bookish related stuff. Or I'm always getting tattooed and I always got to post it. So <laughs> um, but yeah, you can always find me there. And if any fans want to chat me up and uh, rant about books, I completely invite you to do so because I feel I should give Stephanie a break sometimes, you know, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. Enough. Yeah. Enough. <laughs> but again, thank you so much for joining me and yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer, and on TikTok as Books in the Freezer. If you want to send us an email, you can send that to Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. The easiest way is probably to go on patreon.com slash books in the freezer. There are three tiers of support, a one, three, and a $5 level, and you can choose between monthly and annual support. Each tier has different perks that go with each tier. Um, the $1 level has things like early episode releases. $3 level has a Patreon group chat. And at the $5 level, there are bonus episodes and I let you know what the topic is and who the guest is and open it up for questions when I'm interviewing authors and stuff. So if you would like to be included in that, definitely check that out. Another way to support the podcast is to use the Amazon link in the show notes. That just takes you to Amazon. You do whatever normal shopping you'd usually do and a small percentage of that goes to help the show. But of course, there is more than one way to show your support for a podcast like this, and they don't all involve money. Just spreading the word about the show. Word of mouth is huge. Sharing about it on Instagram and Twitter is very helpful to indie podcasts like this. Um, I also have opened up the vault, so to speak, so all old episodes should be available if you're a new listener that came on like this year or last year there are a ton of episodes that you have missed and a ton of topics that we've covered and books that we've suggested so you can go back into the archives and check out what we have so again thank you so much to everyone who has taken the time to share or to review the podcast on apple podcasts or spotify you all are the best I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. And on Instagram at 
that's what she read and that is that's with two A's so thank you and see you next time on books in the freezer <laughs>